Bonjour, everyone. It's my birthday. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of The Southern Gen. It's your boy, Eddie D. And this is my birthday episode. I'm titling this one Mental Health Matters because you're going to hear from Dr. Cassandra Clariette. And she's an awesome, awesome therapist and one of my favorite Facebook personalities. So, uh, yeah, again, I'm not going to hold y'all up because this episode is fantastic and it's right on time for me. So make sure you have your notepad, have your pen, because you're going to want to take some notes. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Happy birthday to me. What's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Eddie D, again with another episode of The Southern Gent. I am always excited to have new guests and today's guest is none other than dr cassandra (laughs) oh god what's going on happy day this episode is actually going to air on my birthday so you're my birthday episode you're oh my god my birthday is this month too when is your birthday the 12th oh snaps i'm the 28th Okay, Aquarius in the building. (laughs) So we know you're an Aquarius. Let's give it a little more to the audience. Let's tell them a little bit about yourself. Okay. So I am Dr. Cassandra Clariette, LCSW, State of Tennessee, LMSW in the state of Arizona. Um, And so basically I am just a uh, licensed clinical social worker and I do have my own private practice, Life Strategies Behavioral Health. And I am currently serving all of the wonderful state of Tennessee. And I am looking to expand very soon here in the near future. Um, and I also just onboarded a new therapist, Miss Amani Loggins, who's going to be coming to the practice as well. Um, and so I pretty much I'm a native of Memphis. Um, however, I relocated to Tucson, Arizona, um, November of 2020. Um, but I still have my strong roots right there in Memphis. And that's where I have all my humble beginnings. I am also a um, ordained licensed minister. I've been in the ministry since the age of 20. Um, And so, and of course, I'll tell more about my life story and all that great stuff, you know, later on. Um, But, and I also have a wonderful daughter named Madeline Grace. Yes. Um, She is 10 years old. She's an awesome little individual. Um, I'll have an awesome dog as well named Ariel Grace. Um, And so that's basically a little bit about me. Um, And of course, I am very passionate about this field of social work and primarily the area of mental health. And I've been in this field now for... Oh, uh, is it 13, 13 years now altogether? Yeah, um, awesome. yeah. And so just a little bit about my education. <laughs> um, so I always tell people, you know, I hold five degrees. I'm done with school. I'm never going back. Um, so my education consists of business information systems, liberal arts, um, a bachelor's in social work, master's in social work, and a doctorate in ministry uh, with a focus in leadership. So that's me in a nutshell. 
Educated and hilarious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. What I will say is that I have always been inspired by like your post and especially seeing my homegirl in my head. Your interactions are so hilarious. And to hear about this whole person of who Dr. Cassandra Clariette LCSW is totally gives me a new perspective and a whole new level of love, even though I love, 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 loved you. Okay. Oh, thank you. Love you too. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what motivated your decision to actually become a therapist. Okay. So the best way for me to say this, I always do it this way because my story, I have it, an awesome, um, very dynamic uh, testimony or uh, upbringing. My teen years were very turbulent. I was a wild child. Um, and so what I always do is I break it down based on the years of my life. Um, so at the age of 11, that was the first time I was introduced to marijuana. That's the first time I got high. Um, and then by the age of 12, in addition to marijuana, um, that's also when I, um, I lost my virginity at the age of 12. I was starting to get heavily involved with the streets, um, you know, with drug dealers and things like that. By the age of 13, I was snorting cocaine in conjunction with all the other things I'm doing. That was also my first time going into a nightclub. It's also when I, um, started, you know, selling, got into selling drugs, um, by the age of 14, I was still doing all this other stuff. Um, and so I actually started setting up robberies. Um, not getting into all that information. I'll just say it was robberies um, throughout Memphis. Um, you know, I worked with various people and, you know, setting up drug dealers, things like that. Um, also, like near the end of uh, 14 years of my life, um, I stopped snorting cocaine. There was nothing but the grace of God. Like I just cold turkey stopped and left it all alone. Um, and one thing that really scared me was seeing this one particular guy who, I mean, this guy was literally about 300 plus pounds. And in a matter of months, like this man was a skeleton. It was just un real. Um, and so that kind of spooked me. I never wanted to look sick or anything because I always took pride in my image. Mm -hmm. So I stopped snorting cocaine. Um, so by the age of 15, at this point, I'm still doing all this other stuff, but I was very, very, very violent, very violent. I was known for always carrying a razor blade in my mouth. I was known for always fighting. I had no problem with, you know, popping off or just fighting people. It didn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. um, so at the age of 16, um, I was involved in a fight with this particular girl um, in the Bentry apartment. Um, I was sitting, getting high, had a box cutter in my hand. And I pretty much told her, you know, because I was crazy, y'all. So I told her, if I ever seen you in my inner apartments, I'm going to deal with you. So I saw the baby walk to the garbage can and I got up with the box cutter. I just started hitting her. I never dropped the box cutter. So in the process, she was stabbed multiple times in the face area, neck, breast, um, and I was charged with attempted murder. Uh, well, initially it was aggravated assault. They wanted to say it was attempted murder and they wanted to try to charge me as an adult. But by the grace of God, I was given a psychological test. It was determined that, that at that point at 16, although I was the far, the far, the last grade I fully completed was like the sixth grade at 16. Um, but I was functioning at a college level, which I can't explain that. 
And that's what saved me. And the judge wanted me to be rehabilitated. So I was sent to St. Peter's Home for Children where I was locked down. I was there for seven and a half months. I received intensive therapy every day, individually and as a group. Got out at 17. I was court ordered to uh, obtain a GED because I'm 17 years old in the eighth grade, constantly being expelled, um, completed my GED. Um, and by 19 is when I had my real life conversion, you know, with God. And I left the drugs alone, stopped selling drugs, left the streets alone, got in church, got baptized. The rest is history. Whoa. Yeah. So that basically, that's what put me on the path of being passionate about mental health. And I found out through therapy that I was angry and I was so violent because I was really hurt. And I was hurt because at the age of 10, my dad walked away. Mm. And I was extremely close to my dad. Of course, I couldn't connect the dots. I couldn't explain why I had a vendetta against men, like grown men. And I was just, even as a teen, just out to get them, setting them up, getting, having them robbed, um, literally playing mind games with people. And it was just, it was just me hurting. And I saw that being able to have intensive therapy every day, that's what helped me to understand my pain and the true sadness that was behind all the violence that I was bringing forth. So that's what pretty much put me on the path to uh, becoming a therapist. I am, I'm about to shout for one. (laughs) (laughs) And secondly, this is really, um, it goes to show like your passion behind mental health because uh, although we kiki a lot on Facebook, Facebook, you see, I said that mm-hmm. there's plenty of times where we do have those moments where we say, like, reach out to us. Because mm-hmm. when you have gone through that much, your level of passion for work to see that transcription of what God has done in your life mm-hmm. totally leaves a life of gratefulness. And I call it the pay it forward mentality. Yep. That's literally where I am with all of the stuff that I'm doing is paying it forward from what I've been given in order to transform my life. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. And so that's basically what we have to do. Uh, And every chance that I get, um, that's what I'm trying to do because I know therapy works. Mm -hmm. Had I not been, you know, court ordered, you know, to therapy. And I even had to do um, six weeks anger management. I had to do eight weeks of A&D. And so had I not been court ordered to these situations or to these opportunities, mm-hmm. um, I would have been still, you know, literally surviving. I have to get high in order to wake up. I have to get high in order to just maintain throughout the day. I have to get high just to keep from literally killing somebody. And so being court ordered, that's what afforded me the opportunity and letting me know that therapy really works. So when you see people angry, very angry, bitter, like, and it's like, I don't see anger and bitterness. Mm. I see sadness. I see that there's something that has really, really hurt this person. And it takes them having the right opportunity just to be able to talk about this is what hurt me. And it's like, aha, this is why I'm so angry. And once you understand the why behind your behaviors, you're less likely to bring forth those behaviors and you're more likely to put some interventions and strategies in place to bring forth healthy behaviors. Ooh, okay. When I tell you, you're about to make me completely switch my whole (laughs) life around. (laughs) 
I used to want to be in like therapy and life coaching and all of that when I was younger. And I actually had my major in psychology for a little while, but it was the papers that really was like, oh, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And then what I do, switch to English. But I have a passion for seeing, not a passion, a gift for seeing mm-hmm. that as well, because mm-hmm. I have a higher, not tolerance, there's patience that comes with relatability. And so when I see someone that is acting out like the Antonio Browns, the Britney Spears, and even our cousins and mamas and aunties, when I see these people doing these things, it's not to me that particular action. To me, Mm -hmm. it goes back to like, what is the real root? Or if it's not even the root, what has led to this point? So, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to do it. I said I want to get no more degrees. I'm stopping it, but... (laughs) But hey, I may go back and get something because that really did just shift something in me. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, um, as I often tell people, like there's a difference between purpose and passion. You Mm -hmm. know, so once you know that this is your purpose pursue yeah. it you know we can have a passion like when i say i'm a joke of uh, a jane of all trades like mm-hmm. from doing hair uh graphic designs i know how to do it all run a business i know how to do it all but i just happen you know to have passion for these things but they're not my purpose my Big. purpose is helping people rebuild their lives Ooh, you <laughs> i'm gonna run no okay, no no so <laughs> Let's get back to this. So okay. you started Life Strategies Behavioral Health. Mm-hmm. And tell me more about what are some of the things that you all specialize in and what made you want to even create a whole practice of your own? Okay. So basically, because I've worked in mental health and I've worked for um, not a whole lot of different companies, um, just Youth Villages, Methodist, um, Memphis Mental Health, as well as... Um, My other people in Arkansas, I can't even think of their name right now. But what prompted me is, first of all, my passion for wanting to see mental health done the right way. Um, So many times and Youth Villages is definitely like the I mean, when I say anybody who is starting their career in mental health, Youth Villages is where you want to get your your clinical grounding. Like that's your foundation. It's awesome. Great investments. However, I really hadn't seen like the 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 five star quality uh, for mental health and treating uh, mental illnesses since you since youth villages. So my thing was, I know how to do this. Do it the right way in a passionate way. Um, I know the importance of knowing how to deal with trauma. I'm also certified in problem sexual behavior, motivational interviewing. And so I know these things. My my knowledge base is eclectic. And I want to be able to bring all these things together and do it the right way to treat people. Um, I have a very unique approach from, you know, utilizing the clinical textbook standards. But I also bring my background into play. And I also bring my personality of being very direct and honest with people. Um, And so I wanted to have an avenue so I could just lay my own foundation and do things the way I wanted to do them in a very passionate way. Um, And so that's what really prompted me to want to start Life Strategies uh, Behavioral Health. And I also have this mentality, whatever it is that you go to do, make sure you excel and go to the top. You know, if you 
hey, let's just say if you want to work at McDonald's, you love McDonald's. There's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's. Just don't stop at flipping burgers for McDonald's. Learn the game. Learn how to open up a franchise. So not only do you have the opportunity to flip burgers at McDonald's, but you have the opportunity to reap the benefits and the financial rewards and gains of owning a McDonald's. So that's what prompted me to open life strategies because I believe in going all the way to the top, you know, having my own private practice. And another reason is because I see so many leaders like executives, CEOs, pastors, celebrities. I see so many who are, they hold positions, but I, again, I can see through trauma. I mean, I can see it. I can see when somebody is sad, they're functioning, but it's like, no, it's something going on here. And so those are the people I really wanted to help starting out. And I must say that, you know, God has afforded me the opportunity. I have NFL players that I'm working with. I have um, an SEC coach I'm working with um, and there's others. Um, and so I have started some groundwork to working with high profile individuals, um, you know, and I would love to work with Kanye West. Hey, Kanye, okay. come see me because uh, I know what's going on. Um, you know, it's so what prompted me to start life strategies, uh, behavioral health. Come through. Yes. Yeezy, please. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love me some Yeezy. And Ooh. now I'll be like, Ooh, honey, you just doing a lot, but I see it. So mm -hmm. yes, look, I'm finna, you you gonna be my mentor under this thing. <laughs> okay, and you know what? I also do life coaching, career coaching, as well as education coaching, um, and that's another part of who I am as well. Because I want to see, I want to pass the mantle. You know, I want to be able to leave a mark. I don't know, you know, when I'm going to leave this earth, but when I do leave, I want to leave an impression on people so they're able to go forth. You know, for 2022, that's just like been my thing. Go forth, you know. And so I don't want to be the one with all the knowledge. I want to spread this. You know, that's what that was the purpose of the disciples. That's how they got the word, you know, across the whole entire world. They didn't stay in one location, but they empowered go forth. And so that's what I want to do. You know, all 2020 go forth, you know, leave them on people, life coach. You know, if it's all about, you know, I have one person who was seeing me high profile. Um, and his thing was, you know, hey, I'm now making half a million dollars a year. I'm well known. He's known on a national level. And I'm like, yeah, you need to protect this. So he just wants to be able to talk, you know, to make sure he's doing things the right way. You know, just to have my insight. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm so honored. Um, so, yeah, all 2022, go for it. You know, I want to empower people. I absolutely love that because that's why I started the Southern Gent was to be able to give that back to folks because I didn't have the mindset of how do I give back? How do I mm -hmm. do A, B, and C? And this is why I started it because I can't be the all. I, I was not prepared to be that person that was like giving, 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 giving to everyone. And so I knew that people had different specialties. So mm -hmm. I've had all types of folks on the Southern Gent. So that's why if you want to be a guest, hit me up. But I've had chefs, candle makers, mm -hmm. doctors, all types of folks that you cannot imagine who are giving back 
giving to themselves, have learned something from whatever. So that's the common theme that you'll hear on the Southern Gent. And Dr. Clariet is a living, flipping example <laughs> of that. So tell me this. Um, a lot of folks may have friends that they notice. Um, their behaviors may change. And what you may notice as something going on mental health-wise What's your advice to someone who wants to reach out to that person or notice even notices these things? Well, number one, I always tell people, do not touch or attempt to unravel someone's trauma if you're not equipped to treat it. Mm. Okay. So it's not, there's, it's absolutely fine to check in and say, Hey girl, um, you know, I noticed here lately, you've been kind of short fused and snappy. Um, is everything okay? You know, and if they start to girl, let me tell you, you know, I got date raped and uh, uh, baby, listen, listen. Okay. Hold on. I want to support you through this. Um, but I don't want you to revisit that right now. You know, um, but I do want to make sure you're okay. I want to support you. Um, And so many times we allow people to just unearth their traumas on us. I've seen it happen in the church. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is if you allow them to unearth that trauma and you're not equipped to put what they need in place, because anytime you revisit a trauma, it's going to bring up emotions for you. It can bring up hopelessness for you. And the last thing you want is for someone to go and commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Because the pain of revisiting that trauma was so overbearing after that conversation. And it's like now you have you have to deal with that. You know, hey, she told me all this stuff and then she killed herself. You know, where do I stand in all this? And so it's just one of those things where check in with your friends and don't try to push probe or, you know, people for information. You know, if they tell you some things, okay, fine. But at least admit, hey, I'm not equipped to deal with this. Um, hey, I do know over at Life Strategies Behavior Health, they they specialize in trauma. You know, um, but just be supportive um, and sit with them, listen to them. Um, but again, don't try to force people. Um, and I get this question so much, you know, and especially from parents of adult who have adult children. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need you to see my child. I need you to call my child. Ma'am, how old is your child? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's 23. Baby, I can't, I cannot call your child. You know, if your child wants help, your child has to reach out for help. And as a matter of fact, I can't even let you know if your child reached out for help or not because they're an adult and they have to give consent for you to know that information. Um, So it's just one of those things where you have to support, but be resourceful, you know, know how to link people to the necessary resources. But, you know, if they're not wanting to get help, um, that's one thing I, I do not do. I don't force anybody to try to get help. People can come to therapy. I see their bull jiving through therapy. I will call them out on things, but it's like, baby, if you really want this, you know, just let me know. Um, and I don't even take their money. You're not going to waste my time. It's not about money because trust me, I am, I'm financially secure, but what I'm not going to do is waste my time. If people are not ready for change. Right. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yes. And I think that also lets me know um, how important mental health is when we talk about my field of like public health, because you said something that totally 
lit like a hundred light bulbs off in my head. So when people have these traumatic experiences, because receiving an HIV diagnosis can be it, it, most times I've seen it. I've given the diagnosis. It was very traumatic yes. for both. It was traumatic mm-hmm. for me as well as for the person receiving the diagnosis. And right. so a lot of times we have people in these roles who don't have support. So mm-hmm. we cannot go to our bosses or we may not be able to go to our other peers. Where is that support for us? So that's why we have to be able to take care of the workforce. That's why we see a lot of turnover. That's Mm -hmm. why we see a lot of people quitting or letting their diagnosis extend to an AIDS diagnosis because we don't help the folks who are helping people. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, mental health matters. And I, I did get a little upset about that, but that's because I've seen folks fall to the wayside. I've seen people commit suicide. I've seen people literally get so burnt out for for they're living in their purpose and still get burnt out yeah. because it is um we're taking advantage sometimes of people's trauma mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is called vicarious uh trauma and that's basically when you're a frontline worker um or somebody who's in the healthcare field or even like myself um who's providing um, therapy and services and, and needed help to people. And then your trauma traumatizes me. Or I've heard so many traumatic stories that now I'm traumatized and I really don't know it. And that's how I burn out. And so there are some things that I've put in place years and years ago for myself. Um, you know, working at Youth Villages, when I say, baby, I can tell you some stuff right now that will literally probably send y'all into a psych ward that has gone on and happened to children. OK, mm-hmm. and we're, we're talking about in their homes. Yeah. Um, And so what really prompted me to put a certain thing in place is when I had my child back in 2011. I had my child and I'll never forget as a clinical supervisor, I had an infant to die under my watch or while I was on call. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The baby died from just a baby wipe. I had just seen the baby the day before and, you know, having his diaper changed, the baby put a baby wipe in his mouth, baby wipe becomes lodged in his throat. The foster parent cannot get it up. They finally get this baby back breathing. This baby died again. And this baby was set to go home to his mom within like a week or two. And that's what messed me up so bad. And so at that moment, I had to put some things in place. Number one, When I leave work, I am unemployed until I return back to work. And what that means is I don't discuss case findings. I don't talk about work. I'm unemployed, literally. So if you're unemployed, you can't talk about a job. And so I put that in place when I had my child. So when I leave work, I am a mother. I am a mother to Madeline Grace. I have to put aside everybody else's issues, their trauma. I have to put that aside because my child needs me. And so I started that years and years ago because people ask me that all the time. How do you do this? How do you not, you know, get overwhelmed? And it's like I have balance in my life. First of all, I do have an awesome relationship with God, you know. And so when something is too much, you know, hey, I allow him to bear some things for me. But for the most part, and I have my ways of unwinding. 
Um, I have my ways of debriefing situations. I have my clinicians I can talk to. But for the most part, when my workday is over, it's done. It's over with. I'm not dealing with it until it's time for me to start work again. Um, and so that's what has worked for me over these years. And that's how I keep from burning out. Absolutely. That is where I, that's what I was going to ask you. How <laughs> does the healer like heal? So, Ooh, yeah. baby, listen, when I saw that question right there, <laughs> oh, I said, he, does he understand what, how does the healer heal? Baby, listen, there is power in that question. Mm. You can take a text in the church on it, or I can stay in the secular and deal with it. I mean, mm -hmm. that was so, oh God, it was so profound to me. Um, and so how does the healer heal? You know, for me, my healing journey, as I told you, started when I was court ordered to intensive therapy, when I was locked up. Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm here, I might as well go and get the help. I can't go nowhere. I've counted these 486 bricks every day and I can't go anywhere. I might as well work this program. And so my healing started then. Um, one thing that I'm very intentional about now is sitting with my hurt. You know, I've experienced hurts, grief, loss, pain, you know, with the sudden murder. My nephew was murdered um, last year. And so I, one thing I'm intentional about how I get my healing, I sit with the pain. So many times people try to escape the pain. They want to get high. Um, they want to drink the pain away or numb the pain. No, I sit with the pain. And what I mean by that is I cry. I vent about it. I write about it. And I set an expiration date. You know, I set an expiration date for my grief and how I'm grieving, not my grief, but how I'm grieving. Mm -hmm. If I'm lying in that bed crying, crying, crying. Okay, baby, you have until Friday. You know, January the 14th. Okay. You can go ahead. You can say it. You can be sad, miss your meals, but come Friday, January the 14th, you got to do something new. And that's when I say, okay, I'm done with this. You know, I still, it may come up, but the way I respond must be different. And so many times we just don't want to sit with pain. Who wants to sit and feel that? Who wants to feel heartbroken? But you have to sit with it. So that's how I heal. I sit with the disappointments. I sit with the pain. I process it. I, I And I also ask myself, what role did I play in this hurt? What role did I play in this situation? So many times we want to shift blame on everybody else, but you have to hold yourself accountable and ask yourself, what role did I play in my own calamity? And once I assess that situation, my expiration date comes, guess what? Okay. I may not feel like it, but I got to get out this bed. I may not want to, but I have to eat, you know? And so that's as a healer, that's how I heal. Ooh. Yes, look, I'm taking notes over here. You can see my pen flowing. <laughs> ah. I'm going to report back to my therapist what I'm doing because I told her, look, see how God works? I told mm -hmm. her I was going to be doing some work because she wants to see me next week. And I was like, okay, well, I just saw you this week. But okay, no problem. <laughs> I am totally adherent to my care because mm -hmm. mental health is really important to me. And I saw myself going into a more dark place. And so I don't like to lash out at people. I saw myself doing that. I don't like to be, go beyond my expiration date. I normally mm -hmm. give myself a few days, but after mm -hmm. that, 
It's like I was down for weeks and months, and a lot of stuff did happen in 2021. Yeah, even when stuff did happen, it was like I could normally get over, but it was happening so fast back to back. It was like I guess that left a lingering effect, and so now I'm just like, look, I want to get back to my full on, deep grounded, happy. Um, self and even just getting back to normal is mm-hmm. where I want to be because people don't always realize that therapy is what has helped me from some of the lowest of the lows and mm-hmm. some of the highest of the highs and not quitting therapy because I've quit therapy a couple of times but actually going through maintenance like the um one of the one of your clients you said is coming now to maintain. Yeah. So it's not saying that something is always wrong. Like no, there, there's definitely help in maintenance. Yes, I mean, think about it. When you go buy a brand new car, you have to get some maintenance on the car, and I don't care how new it is. You still have to take it in to get the oil changed. Okay. You still have to go fill up on gas. So it's not to say that it's broken. No, you're doing these things to keep it from breaking. Mm-hmm. You know. Proactive versus reactive. Oh, boom. So I have another one kind of personal question. Okay, okay. <laughs> this one is really important to me because I have a lot of family members, a lot of friends, especially my black people who are totally against therapy. Mm-hmm. And we know that that happens a lot for various reasons. So what do you say to the people who are totes against um, going to therapy? So, you know, there was a point where I would sit and try to um, basically debate people into therapy or convince people as to why they need therapy. But I've kind of learned over the years that life has its way of putting people or positioning people to where they have no other choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you're either going to be real with reality or life is going to consume you. And that's why we see that the suicide rate, uh, Shelby County has the highest suicide rate in the state of Tennessee. Um, and of course, African-Americans lead the way. Yeah. Um, and we always want to think that it's like, oh, that's a white people's or Caucasian folks stuff. You know, Black folks don't kill themselves. Baby, y'all would be alarmed at how many teens are killing themselves in Memphis. Okay. So, you know, just because they don't pick a gun up and do it, they may not even take a rope to their neck and do it. But if you're popping pills and you overdose, baby, that's, that's, that's basically a suicide. You know, when you're needing to self-medicate to the point uh, of death, that's a suicide. You know, you're choosing not to deal with a life. So you're choosing suicide. Um, So and I know you can't force people. Um, One thing I would I would really like to see, though, I would really love to see the church within the African-American community put more emphasis on mental health treatment versus saying, you know, just pray about it. You know, uh, just come to church. You know, the church is for the spiritual aspect of things. Mental health is for the, you know, the scientific things that are going on within the brain. If your body breaks down, you know, somebody is having a heart attack. You're going to stand there and say, come on, y'all, let's pray. Or you're going to die 911 to get them some medical help, you know. 
And there's no difference. If your brain is not functioning properly, go see somebody about it, you know? And for them to say, oh, I don't have insurance or it's too expensive, baby. When I say, again, Tennessee leads the way with phenomenal, phenomenal mental health services, they will pay for your mental health appointments, they will pay for your medications. And watch this they even have programs where they will pay post. Just because you have a mental illness, they mm. will put transportation in place, give you uh, stipends. It's so much, you know, all you have to do is access the resources so you can get the help. Be intentional, reach out, you know, say something. I'm tired. I need help. And, you know, we make social media posts all day long. Right. It's OK. You know, reach out to somebody on social media and there's so many tons of resources so people can get the help that they need. But I'm not going to force it on anybody. It's almost like you're saying, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. You losing weight. But meanwhile, it's a whole T-bone steak sitting in front of you. Baby, I prepared the steak. I seasoned it. I paid for it. If you don't want to eat it, that's on you. I can't make you eat the steak, but I've given you the steak. So, you know, people have to want the help. And, you know, again, and I say the church because a lot of African-Americans are so heavily influenced by the church. You know, big mama them. You know, right. they're so heavily influenced. Whatever pastor say, if pastor say it, that makes it right. So if I can get pastor them to say that, baby, go get you some mental health services. Take the pill. Take that Xanax. God works through medications. Watch this. He even had a physician who walked with him. Luke was a physician. Even Jesus believed in physicians. So, you know, I need passing them to get on board with some mental health services. And I also need passing them to stop trying to treat folk in their studies when they know they don't have the credentials to do so. Oh, okay. Yes. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) (laughs) That was a mic drop. I need uh, my production team to do a bomb right there. (laughs) Because I really absolutely wanted to talk about something that you said as well. For one, um, yes, pastors, please think about it. Um, Just like we said, healers need healers too. And you may have your different ways of getting your own, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we're not going to try to convince you. So that's something I have also stopped doing because I got tired to talk in the face. I was blue in the face. When I say it's tiring, and it, and it almost makes you want to literally just like quit. It's like, you know what? I feel hopeless. Yeah. And it's no, baby, you're not disrupting my peace because this joy I have over here, the world didn't give it to me. So I can't allow you and your dysfunction to take it away. When you get really sick and tired, you're going to do something. I don't know what that something is, but I do know when people get sick and tired of being sick and tired, they will do something. Absolutely. You uh, and another thing that you said, too, was about the medication. Oh, God, I am an advocate for doing whatever it takes. People are not going to push anything on you that they don't think will help you. Right. (laughs) Right. And you know what? That's one thing I specialize in and I take pride in is providing therapy and treating people without the use of medication. That is our first line to treat without the use of medications, okay? Um, now, if you're if I'm, if I'm dealing with a postpartum situation, 
I highly recommend based on, you know, the assessing and what they say, I would definitely highly recommend, baby, get to your OBGYN. And I've, there's even been times where I call the OBGYN myself and I say, hey, I need this person. You know, I'm recommending this. Um, you know, we don't need a heavy hit here. We just need a little sum because right now I can't get her out this funk. Um, and it works. It actually works. You know, and OBGYNs are very familiar with what with what can be given after someone is you know giving birth to a child, and they can still breastfeed um, and so forth. So just trust the professionals. Um, and again, I'm not against medications, but I do know anxiety and depression can definitely be controlled without the use of medications, depending on where you're at when you get to me. You know, as long as you get to me in time, then we can definitely get you squared away to where you need to be without the use of medications. However, if you need them, I'm going to tell you you need them. And guess, and, and one thing about me, if you refuse, you refuse to get the medications, you cannot keep coming to me. I am not going to keep sitting because I cannot treat you if I know there's an indefinite chemical imbalance going on that I cannot break through to. So that's what makes me a tad bit different from some of the other therapists who may just keep sitting through, you know, session after session. It's like, no, I'm not doing that. And I love that because you, just like you said, you're doing therapy the right way. For one, it's not about just taking people's money. Time no. is valuable, just like what you said. And it's really important for people to understand that if you have someone like Dr. Clarier in your life as a therapist, because a lot of times I tell people, hey, look, this is a place you can go. This is someone I think I've asked you a couple of times for like your website because I was like, hey, this is beyond my level of work. Mm -hmm. I know someone. I know someone who is absolutely capable of helping yeah. Yes. So everyone, please, please <laughs> think about it. If you are looking for a therapist, there's self-pay options, right? Yeah, of course. There's self-pay. And I also accept Cigna and United um, Healthcare or Optum. Um, sadly, I cannot continue pursuing Blue Cross Blue Shield at this time because we were not able to reach a doable agreement. Um, and they're trying to get me to do some things that I'm just not trying to do or want to do. So Blue Cross Blue Shield will be scratched out. However, you know, again, there are self-pay options and I even allow, you know, for payment arrangements. Mm -hmm. um, and I say payment arrangements because, you know, at one point I was actually slashing prices for people, but I had to realize that, I'm sorry, we pay for what we want to pay for. Right. Okay. We can drop $1,500 on bundles. We can drop two seventy five dollars on J's. Okay. Surely we can make an investment of $125 into therapy for ourselves. And I'm willing to make payment arrangements. Um, you know, if you say, hey, I'm able to pay $25 today, guess what? I'm willing to work with it. I'm willing to work with all of that because, again, I want to see people healthy and whole. That's what matters most to me. I am so happy that you came <laughs> on today because I want you to also tell people how they can find life strategies, how they can get in contact with you. Because I know you'll be accepting new patients soon, right? 
I am actually accepting new clients now. Now that I have a um, a new social worker or new clinician on board, okay. I will definitely be accepting new clients now. Um, and I do from you know children. I've had a child as young as ten. I've all I've had all the way up to the age of seventy three. So. Um, my background is very diverse. Um, if it's for trauma, uh, substance abuse, um, I mean, just problem sexual behavior, uh, some of everything, grief and loss. These are the things that I specialize in. Now, if I find that you have a personality disorder, okay, that is not something that I work through. Um, it takes a lot of patience to work through a personality disorder and um, they, that person would need uh, DBT. And again, I mean, I could do DBT, but personality disorders, it's not something that I work with. Um, and it's okay because I can easily refer them to somebody who does. Okay. Um, so that's just not my, that's not my thing because you have to be very, very patient uh, with persons suffering from personality disorders and the likelihood of them coming to therapy is kind of slim to none, but some actually do, you know, want therapy. Hmm. That mm -hmm. is actually interesting. Yes, because you have to be able to understand where you are and folks really don't even like to go through the assessment part. Right. So there is a wonderful assessment that I went through and I don't even know. I was scared at first. Mm -hmm. I will tell you this. I was scared because I was like, oh my God, what is this scale? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Once you do it, you really understand. It made so much sense to me of what those questions meant. And yes. I actually broke down doing the scale because even on my own, I was able to like look and see what what it was because no, these BuzzFeed articles, they're not going to give you um, a 100% guarantee. And of course, nothing is 100%, right? right? But BuzzFeed is not the place to go if you want to address your mental health. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> and, and you know what? Another thing, like, so whenever someone comes to me, the assessments or the questionnaires are done on the front end based on what they describe. And we review those findings. Um, based on those findings, <clears throat> we're able to develop a treatment plan. And that's how you start your actual therapy. And so people can find me on Facebook, um, Life Strategies Behavioral Health. Um, so that's one way to find me or emailing me. If you email me at drclariette, D-R-C-L-A-R-I-E-T-T -T, at gmail.com, I will also be able to email you a link directly to my website. Um, the website address is kind of kind of long. So I have to send the link. That's what I do best. Send the link. They're able to click on it, create a profile through the portal, and then they're able to see my availability. I can also be found on psychologytoday.com. If you go there, you will see my practice phone number, as well as there's a link to my website on there as well. Um, so those are like three ways that you can um, contact me or reach out for potential therapy. Awesome. So that's the Facebook, the email, as well as psychologytoday.com. So y'all can easily go back and rewind that. Don't be lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast. Go back and rewind all of those ways. It's Life Strategy Behavioral Health, just in case y'all did get lazy, because I know some of y'all. Life Strategy Behavioral Health on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I, oh my gosh. So 
I don't normally do final words. That's not something I like to call it. But is there anything else that you would like to say to the audience? Well, just, you know, 2022, be intentional about protecting your peace. Um, be intentional about your purpose. Um, and also just go forth. You know, once you realize what it is that you're supposed to be doing in life, just go forth. And before you go forth, make sure you equip yourself. Being equipped means having a strong, sound mind. Another thing, one little tip I always tell um, clients during your winter months, you have less sunlight. Um, less sunlight means that you have a decrease in vitamin D potentially. Decreased vitamin D leads to depression. So if your mood has been very flat, um, you've been just like, blah, kind of low or whatever. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just in a funk. You know, get you some vitamin D3. You just go to Walgreens, Walmart, purchase you some vitamin D3. Baby, I have been popping one every day because I'm up north on work detail and I'm working overnight. I have not seen the sun in since yesteryears. Mm. Um, and then the temperature is negative 30. So, baby, I, I, I take my vitamin D3 faithfully and you will definitely see a, a difference in your mood. Um, so just be intentional, be peaceful, be, be intentional about your peace and go forth. Uh, you totally D3, please. I got mine right here. <laughs> um, thank you so much. So much, Dr. Perry. This has been an awesome episode. I am so excited that you were able to make it. And there's anytime you want to come back, you know, you want to kick it, you know, you know how to find me and I'll find you, okay? That's right, sugar. <laughs> yes. And thank you all for listening again for another episode of The Southern Gent. Please reach out to me if you would like to be a guest. I'm filling up 2022's calendar. So if you want to be a guest, hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can hit me up on email. It doesn't matter. So happy birthday to me again. And if you want to bless somebody, hit me Ed Wiley 06 on Cash App and um, Zelle and PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on everything. So, yeah, thanks again for listening. Ciao, y'all. Say ciao, Dr. Perry. All right. Thank you, love. Talk to you later.